I'm Pastor John Peterson. I'm Pastor Luke Ulrich. And I'm Vicar Jacob Kempfert. The Mount Olive Mankato podcast is your weekly message of peace with God through Jesus Christ. We welcome you to join us on Sundays in Mankato to experience the friendship of our congregation and Christ's love. For service times or to learn more about Mount Olive, visit us at mountolivelutheran.org. That's mtolivelutheran.org. And now it's time for your weekly message of peace with God through Jesus Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God the Father and from the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God, which we will consider today, is our gospel lesson recorded in the seventh chapter of the gospel according to St. Mark, reading there verses 31 through 37, as follows in Jesus' name. Again, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, he came through the midst of the region of Decapolis to the Sea of Galilee. Then they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to put his hand on him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers in his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed, and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. Immediately his ears were opened, and the impediment of his tongue was loosed, and he spoke plainly. Then he commanded them that they should tell no one, but the more he commanded them, the more widely they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. These are the words. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. In Jesus Christ, dear fellow redeemed, after some people in a crowd witnessed our Lord Jesus restore hearing and the gift of speech to a deaf and mute man, St. Mark writes, they were astonished beyond measure, saying he has done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. Let us consider their words as our theme today as we look at this account of Jesus' miraculous power. He has done all things well. Can we say that of ourselves? What a comfort that we can say that of Jesus. It's been nice to be able to watch some Minnesota Twins baseball games on TV this summer, albeit before an empty stadium. But it's nice to have that little bit of normalcy again in the face of all the changes and disruptions we might experience because of the pandemic. It's fun to watch a baseball game like a lot of other little boys. There was a time I thought it might might be nice to play baseball for a living. Recently, though, I read some statistics which reminded me why that never happened. It's been estimated that throughout the world at any given time, there are probably only about 10,000 people who have the needed hand-eye 
coordination and the excellent reflexes to consistently hit a major league pitcher's baseball. And the time that elapses between when the ball leaves a good pitcher's hand and when it crosses the plate is 0.4 seconds. In less than half a second, the batter has to make some decisions about whether to swing or whether to not swing, when to swing, when to duck. The players who can combine that peculiar talent, swinging the bat, if they can combine that with a strong throwing arm and good base running skills, these days can make about $15 million a year. And we may not agree that anybody should make that much money for playing a game, but it's what you get if you can do all things well, at least on a baseball diamond. To be unusually good at anything is rare. The people who watched Jesus deal with the deaf and mute man that day in Galilee were astonished because they realized that he could not only do what seemed to them impossible, but that he could do it so well. Here the evangelist Mark tells us that immediately after Jesus said, Ephatha, that means be opened, his ears were opened and the impediment of his tongue was loosed and he spoke plainly. The people weren't used to seeing this sort of perfection at work and neither are we. We live in a world that because of sin, is surely flawed and imperfect. We might get angry and frustrated, but we're not shocked when people and things let us down. You spent $500 to fix your car, and now you find that it works worse than it did before. Your clothes dryer self-destructed the day after the warranty expired. Last winter, you shoveled six inches of partly cloudy from your driveway. These are the sort of disappointments that we face in this fallen world. More seriously, though, we see imperfections as they appear in sickness, disease, birth defects. It was that kind of imperfection which Jesus encountered that day as he made his way through the Decapolis, the area of the ten cities. Then they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to put his hands on him. You and I may have perfect hearing, and we may be able to always clearly express ourselves to others, but we can all admit that we don't do everything well, in fact, we really ought to honestly see the imperfections in ourselves. After all, no one is perfect. We all make mistakes. We have to acknowledge that fact in order to get along with other people. Life is hard for the perfectionist, for that person who demands flawless performance of himself and will not tolerate less than that in others. But the hardest imperfections for any of us to face within ourselves are the spiritual ones. While other people can see and judge us only on the basis of our words and our actions, God can look into our hearts. 
That means that our inner selves, our inner lives are as open and as clear to him as our conduct is to one another. God demands nothing less than moral perfection in everything we do, everything we say, and even what we're thinking about. Anything less than that perfection is counted by God as a sin. The soul that sins, it shall die, God warned through the prophet Ezekiel. We can live with our own imperfections, we have to, and we might even get used to the imperfections of the people around us, but we dare not take lightly our imperfections in the sight of God, who is just and perfect. He will judge us one day for our deafness to his word, for our sinful use of speech, for those occasions we take his name in an empty, vain way by cursing or swearing falsely, or when we slander other people, or when we fail to praise him with our voices as we should. That being the case, who among us can rest easily and be comfortable? Who could endure and pass an inspection from God who demands nothing less than constant perfection of his creatures? All we could do is join with the psalm writer and plead, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am faint. Or with the psalmist who who, uh, said, if God should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand before you? What a privilege then, and what a comfort it is to announce, and what a joy for us all to hear that while we could not say of ourselves that we do all things well, we can say that about Jesus Christ. For he, the Son of God, lived among us as true man, and he lived a perfect life in every way, every day. Look at the perfect healing he provided to the poor man who was brought before him in the scene of our text. The excited crowd gathering around was pushing at them, and Jesus knew that this deaf, mute man must have been bewildered by it all and anxious. Being unable to hear, the man couldn't understand what people were saying. Unable to speak, He couldn't articulate his questions and receive answers. So Jesus kindly and gently escorted him away from the press of the crowd where he could help him in a more tranquil setting. Mark goes on, and he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers in his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. By these actions, Jesus was communicating with this man. In this way, he was telling the man what he intended to do for him. Then Mark says, looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. What power resides in Christ's word? That same word by which the whole world and everything in it was created in six normal days, here again, accomplished what he commands. We read immediately, his ears were opened and the impediment of his tongue was loosed and he spoke plainly. Again, this was the immediate 
evaluation and conclusion of everyone present. He's done all things well. And if you and I had been there among them seeing this, we too would have been astonished beyond measure, and we would have said, he has done all things well. As our holy substitute, Jesus Christ lived well for us. As true man, he lived every day under the very same law we're under in which we fail to obey. But we have, where we have not fulfilled it perfectly, Jesus did. He lived here among us without any sin in what he was thinking about and what he said and what he did. He never turned a deaf ear to the will of his father. He never misused the gift of speech by cursing others or by immoral sorts of talking. He rendered in our place the perfect righteousness God demands and God out of his love for us graciously credits that perfection to each one of us who believe in Christ. So the Bible says we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. The Savior who lived well as the replacement for all sinners also died for us. Because God's justice demanded a payment in blood, Jesus was the Lamb of God slaughtered at the cross in our stead. His holy, precious blood, the Bible says, has washed away our sins. For in dying, he paid the entire ransom price to God for every one of our sins. So Peter reminds us that we have been redeemed, set free with the precious blood of Christ, the Lamb without blemish, or defect. And so St. John reminds us the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Jesus, our perfect Savior, lived for us and he died for us and he rose again from the grave and he's alive so that trusting in him, you and I too may rise on the last day to live forever in heaven. He's done it all for us. And he's done it well. After performing this miracle, Jesus commanded those who were there not to make known what they had seen. And that may be puzzling to us. But Jesus knew the time before his dying was short. And he knew the false worldly notions that the people had about the Messiah. They would so easily focus on the physical miracles that they got to witness on occasion. But he wanted them to be more focused on the more important spiritual gift of forgiveness that he was winning for us by his life and his death. Jesus has given us no such command, though, now to keep quiet about him. In fact, he's commanded the opposite, telling us to go and preach the gospel to all the world. For he has opened our ears by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can hear and believe in this forgiveness that he has won for each of us. And he's unloosed our tongues so that we can speak this good news to others. He's done all things well. In this world where nothing is perfect and very little is trustworthy, you and I have a perfect and perfectly reliable Savior. Hear his word. Speak his word. 
and then trust in him to bring you one day to the perfection and the joy of eternal life in paradise. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be forevermore. Amen. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.